Introducing Huawei MateBook X Pro, winner of 27 global awards that now comes with Windows Hello. Unlock your Huawei MateBook X Pro with a touch of your fingerprint. Secure, fast, and no password to remember. For a limited time, get a free $300 gift card with purchase. Visit a Microsoft store near you today. Five cameras on the LG V40. Three phones with up to three cameras on the Galaxy S10. Has progress in the mobile technology industry just become well, a very simple numbers game? We don't have any idea what to look forward to anymore as we head into the fall and into next year with the two chables, but we'll talk it out. Plus, Apple is flittering like a butterfly over its MacBook keyboards. And hey, can someone in IT check out what's wrong with Asus's website here? Thanks. That and all the news from this week in mobile technology on this episode, 311 of the Pocket Now Weekly, recorded live at June 29 at noon Eastern. This is the podcast that talks about everything in mobile technology, from smartphones to tablets to smartwatches and everything in between. It's all the stuff that you wished for as a kid. My name's Jules Wong, news editor here at Pocket Now, and I'm joined by our very own editor-in-chief, Anton Dinaj. What's it going there in uh, Romania, Tony? Thank you, Jules. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, everybody. It's been a while since I've been here, and it's good to be here. Everything is fine and dandy, and I can't wait to share some uh, some thoughts on those cameras, because there are quite a few cameras. Too many, or maybe <laughs> too little. I don't know. We had that Light L16 once that had like 16 of those things on the back. It was very weird. But yeah, this is going to be the most that uh, a major uh, OEM has put out in quite a while. So we'll be talking about that in just a few short minutes. In the meantime, we would like your responses on Twitter, on the social medias. Uh, you can put your comments through with the hashtag PNWeekly on Twitter, and uh, we'll be able to track those live. I got my phones over here ready to go to read out uh, your uh, queries, questions, and whatnot. And uh, in the off times uh, between uh, now and maybe the next show, we'll be answering your emails too if uh, we can get to them and that would be at podcast at pocketnow.com again if you can't stay uh, live on the show for now then you can just put those questions in later and uh, we'll be able to answer them later so uh, hopefully definitely get them in on uh, whichever means that you would like to go through um, I would like to start off this week with the Galaxy S10. I know that we've been talking about the Note 9, uh, how there's going to be an event on August 9th. We're going to be there, but until there's actually more news to report on that, because just having an event isn't really enough for us to talk about it in depth, um, I want to talk about 2019, about the but, Galaxy S10. But before you do, do you mind telling our readers how they can win an HP NVX2? Oh, yeah, that's right. I slide this in somewhere but i didn't even freaking oh man and i wrote the piece too so it's like man i should know better anyways uh we have an hp nvx2 to give away it's one of the always connected pcs that qualcomm and microsoft have teamed up to give and all you have to do and i'm gonna have to add this uh the post on uh, the rundown here uh in just uh after the show i guess but i'm going to put in a link for you to uh participate in this 
uh, giveaway. It runs through July 4th, 11.59.59 Eastern Time. And all you have to do is comment on, uh, I believe it's Adam Z. Lane's review of the HP Envy X2. It has some flaws. It has some advantages. Uh, we want you to talk about how, uh, you know, which features that you like. And also where in perhaps you came from. And if you heard uh, about this giveaway on the podcast, we'll just say you heard it from the podcast. So, and uh, we, uh, we apologize for our international readers or listeners. This is going to be a U.S. only uh, giveaway. It's, it's beyond our control. This is how we can do it. This is how we will do it. But we will have some other giveaways coming really, really soon to Bucket Now, which hopefully will be international. So apologies if, if you are outside of the U.S. and you cannot participate. You can participate, but you will be disqualified sadly yeah and uh, i mean we hand shook on the agreements we have to honor them uh, but hopefully we will be able to uh, expand our reach in just a little bit so uh back to the galaxy s10 apparently we're gonna get three of these things not two three and uh the recent rumors have been kind of iffy about the sizes of these uh phones uh going into 2019 uh, one of them says that we could be dealing with two 5.8 inch sizes and a 6.2, very familiar sizes. If you're, if you know what the, the galaxy note or last year's, uh, even this year's uh, galaxy S nine, but it, another one is saying, Oh, it's going to be five inches here, five, maybe six inches here and six and a half inches there. And also, Oh yeah. Why not just have the entry level is going to be one camera. There's going to be a mid-level with two cameras and then three cameras for the pro. And uh, I'm wondering what does this present a dilemma in terms of consumer choice, in terms of what Samsung wants to achieve and in terms of just being able to, you know, juggle the demand in terms of, okay, let's forecast which ones should get the most supply. Like, uh, what do you think? I think we're, we're talking about a flagship, and uh, since we're going to talk about a 2019 flagship, I think that the uh, market is pretty much set in terms of what we should expect, what the expectations are. This year, we'll, with the uh, Huawei P20 and a P20 Pro, with the LG V35, with the Q7, and even with the upcoming Note 9, I mean, for a 2019 flagship, I'm not saying it doesn't make sense to have three Galaxy S9s, because it really doesn't. It'll be basically cannibalizing each other. But I really do think that a single camera Galaxy S9 would make little to no sense. Most of the flagships out there, all of the flagships out there, have at least two cameras. Going three makes sense if that third camera is not a gimmick and is actually useful. And we can go into details on how Huawei is doing things. But I don't think that having a Galaxy S9, even if it's a zero or a budget version with a single camera would make sense for Samsung as a business, since we are going to talk about a flagship phone, which defines the entire strategy for Samsung all the way through the end of 2019 and the Galaxy Note 10. So I really think that that, that budget, particular budget variant will end up being either a Galaxy A, Galaxy Y or Galaxy something else. And the S will be, as we know it today, a two-phone version, a two-phone move, with the basic Galaxy S9 having a dual camera setup, and maybe the S9 Plus trying to tackle or to beat the standard, which Huawei has set back in March. I think it was in March in Paris with the P20 Pro. So that long story short, I think that it's going to be a two-version thing. 
And that third lower option single camera variant will end up being some sort of other galaxy. That's that's what th those are my two cents. I think that's definitely a fair assessment of this. Uh, uh, we've seen uh, how a brand can spread uh, its uh, flagship brand too thin. We saw that uh, 2012 with the HTC One series. It was the initial uh, spread there with the One S. Um, one X, uh, there was another one that I'm there were three. Here. Yep. Yeah. But there were three of them. Yes. And it was kind of weird, uh, to see, uh, all that. And no one really knew what was going on with those. Uh, I think maybe with Samsung where it has more of that presence all around the world, uh, at the carriers too, that, you know, you get the hands on time. Maybe they might, they think they might be able to convert more people, uh, with three options that are under that very well-known galaxy, um, S uh, line, but again, I'm not sure. Maybe it's uh, going to be another one of those J things or another one of those um, A's or something. Exactly my thoughts, because the Galaxy brand, and ever since Samsung has started pushing the Galaxy brand real hard three, four years ago, the Galaxy brand has, has become very much diluted. There's Galaxy S, which is the flagship. There's the Galaxy Note, which is the full flagship and the niche product. And then there's a ton of other galaxies from the A to the Y, you name them, I can keep counting them. I think introducing more fragmentation within the segment, within the Galaxy S segment will hurt the business. Um, probably not immediately because let's be honest, whatever Samsung is going to put out there, it's going to sell like hotcakes, like millions, just like with Apple. And it's good that they have such a good brand recognition and brand loyalty, but I don't think that this is really what they want to do. They want to keep up with the competition if if possible they can or they can try at least to leapfrog them and uh, right now we have two huawei p20s we will have two iphones or maybe even three who knows but those don't compete with the galaxy s lineup so it in my mind it just makes sense to be to go with the tradition of having two s phones and that's it I think we have your coverage in pocket now already of uh, what the P20 offered for you. Uh, but uh, just to, you know, uh, go over what, what you thought of that triple camera thing was all about for you. I am a... We already know that Adam Lane has his thoughts on it. Yeah, I even before I actually published my review. So from the minute I laid my hands on the, the Huawei P20 Pro, I was in love, not with the phone per se, but with its multimedia capabilities. When I'm not managing the team, I'm an avid multimedia consumer. I watch a lot of movies, I listen to a lot of music, and I'm not even gonna talk about the speakers, which I think they're, they're really good. The camera on the P20 Pro is so good, in my opinion. It could be worse in your opinion. It could be worse in some other people's opinions. I've, I've heard them go both ways. Some people praise it. Some people say it's not, not a huge thing. For my personal needs, for what I use my camera on my smartphone for, the P20 Pro offers me something that I haven't have had the chance of using since the Lumia 1020 or in general since since the good old Nokia Lumia lineup. I think that regardless of the scenarios in which I'm shooting it, let it be handheld, let it be low light, let it be portrait, let it be food or anything else, it just delivers the type of, of results that I expect from a smartphone on which I know I can depend. Before that, I was a huge fan of, of, of the Apple iPhone X because of the same reasons. I know the Google Pixel is way beyond the iPhone 
I, I can say, yes, you are right, but I haven't had, had the chance of using the Google Pixel because here in my region it's not available. So it's safe to say that the P20 Pro became, and it's right here with this, uh, let me take off the... Uh, the case which is really ugly and uh, I wouldn't be using a case if it weren't this option this version but I have to just make it uglier it became my go-to phone and I haven't put it down ever since yeah yeah uh Renata Laporte with the hashtag PN weekly well Huawei slash honor knows everything about fragmentation uh, would you believe it and it seems to work for them I mean I guess they're coming from a different culture Chinese is more spec driven and they're more kind of a mob kind of uh, yes. going around it, but 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 I don't still, know how this work translates worldwide though. Still, if if you come to look at it, if you take a step back, uh, I'm not sure who commented, so I'm sorry for not shouting out your name. Uh, if you take a step back and you look at the big picture, Huawei is just as fragmented as Samsung is when it comes to spreading out the number number of models that they have. They have low end, they have mid range, they have high end phones, just like Samsung it has the Galaxy A's and the Y's and the rest. Huawei has the light, has the uh, regular, and has the pro. So within the family of the products, there is no fragmentation. You will not see three flagships. You will see probably two flagships, the P20 and the P20 Pro, the P10 and the P10, and the May 10 Pro. And it, it can go long for a long time, the storytelling. But what I'm saying is there are models which are low-end, there are models which are mid-range and there are flagship phones. And that, I think, is what Samsung is going to do with that particular zero-level low-end Galaxy. Yeah. That's my two cents. In terms, in, in terms of flagship uh, kind of uh, um, fragmentation, you know, maybe that will be the case. And hopefully we'll get a cleaner look uh, to uh, all of this. Again, uh, months to go on this story, so we'll keep track of it because... You know we can. Uh, I want to transition here with this tweet from Andrew Wallace. Greetings, hashtag PN Weekly. I am excited to see if LG basically combines all the major implementations of second cameras, from wide-angle to monochrome, depth info, telephoto, large sensor, all the stuff. So that gives us a chance to talk about uh, the LG V40, uh, where sources are talking about this uh, monster of a fall time phone with five cameras and i feel like the whole five cameras headline has been kind of overplayed a little bit because we've seen dual front facing cameras before it's uh, mostly from lg actually and we've also seen well we're it's kind of uh, we're talking about it i guess triple camera setups at the back so I mean, that kind of sort of makes sense if you want to drive home a very premium product. Um, in terms of the front, we got uh, what supposedly might be a stereoscopic facial recognition feature where the two cameras are just taking different images and basically matching that to uh, the data that it has stored within. And then there's also the second, uh, the second aspect of that, which is the back. Um, LG is known for its uh, wide-angle take on the second camera. We don't know what it'll do for the third one. So I guess, first of all, what do you think, Tony, uh, of that third sensor? Maybe just free blowing in the wind. Go ahead. So first of all, let me try to uh, take a bird's eye view on, on this entire thing. I'm okay with having multiple cameras. I'm okay with having four or five cameras on a smartphone if the added number of cameras is beyond a gimmick, if it's actually useful. 
there's a very thin line which manufacturers have to play or obey, or there's a red line, if, if you will, which they cannot cross. The more cameras you add, the more expensive your phone will be. But still, if you are willing to take that bet and release a flagship phone, which will be more expensive because of the added one or two cameras, you better make sure that those cameras are bringing value to your customers. Uh, you better make sure that people will find the added camera useful beyond bragging rights, beyond the fact that you will probably use them once or twice in your lifetime and then just show it off at a bar or at a birthday party. So if they're useful, I'm okay with that. And now going into specifics, uh, yes, LG can have the liberty of uh, attacking or tackling the face recognition topic the way they want to. I mean, Apple kicked this off in their own way and then Samsung is going to follow suit. And of course, uh, LG needs to follow suit. If, if that means a stereoscopic camera for better 3D mapping, I'm fine with it. But the question is about that third camera. And uh, we've recently had an advertorial on, on Pocket Now, which, which pretty much discussed and outlined LG's mobile strategy for this year and moving forward to next year. Uh, Jules, maybe you can drop a link in the in in yeah yeah in definitely. The it's from well. uh, contributor uh, Nick Gray. No, actually, it's uh, I'm going to drop you a link. So we'll have a link in the rundown, and, and okay. you can see. I really think that LG is very much invested in AI. Uh, you can see most of their phones, or the, at least all of the flagship phones, for the past twelve months have the brand name thank you added yeah, I, I don't mean to be too cynical about it but yeah thank you they're they're they're, they're going all in in this ai slash connected slash slash marketing thing which is beyond marketing just just don't think about the name thank you it's a brand name which they came up with think about the concept they are willing to bet a lot on ai moving forward and they are willing to bet a lot on on all of their lg consumer electronics, if you will, from TVs to refrigerators to washing machines to be connected. So if a third camera tackles or answers an AI question, an IoT question in a meaningful way, then I'm totally fine with this because this is where we are headed eventually. If it's going to be just another camera, now that LG has a telephoto lens, then maybe they will add a zoom lens. It still will answer some questions but i don't think that that is that is something which lg is is looking for at the moment i mean to be fair to every manufacturer all of them are using 2017's hot buzzword of the year artificial intelligence to juice up you know this aspect of the phone maybe it's to get more services or to uh detect scenes on a camera like they're they're using it and they're I mean, to the point of abusing it, it's kind of uh, insane how that has gone. And no wondering when or where this uh, will go to next. But I'm, you know, I'm having a hard time trying to figure out what the actual differentiator is here in terms of how LG uses its uh, artificial intelligence. What if there, there will come, and there's no doubt about it, there will come a manufacturer. There's just a question of who and when who will manage to bridge the gap between AI and AR. AR, I know, it's another buzzword. Everybody's yeah. using it. Apple has been embracing it for the past 12 months now. But there's nothing meaningful, nothing nothing useful, at least to me and maybe to you. It's another thing to show off. But if somebody can manage to bridge the gap between AR, AI, and IoT, 
in a way which enhances my life every day beyond the fact that I'm pointing my camera towards my food and it says food or portrait, something which is really, really meaningful. Don't ask me what, because if I knew I would be a billionaire now, uh, I think that that's, that's going to be a win for the company. And I think that, I think personally that this is where LG might be headed with the three camera setup on the back, on the front oh. is pretty clear. LG, A-R-A-I-I-O-T. Uh, by the way, this podcast is not sponsored by Campbell's Alphabet Soup. Uh, could you say hi to me for a sec? I know that you, um, uh, just hi to uh, Peter for a second. Hi, Peter. Because he says, Peter Hayton, I'm with Anton on LG cameras. More cameras need, uh, make a nice product, but we need value. Could this become like maybe the HTC One M8, which we all kind of uh, feel like didn't really provide value with that duo camera? Or do you worry that there is a potential for all of these additional cameras to remove focus away from key areas such as battery life? Because everyone's, if you can't get the fundamentals of a, of a freaking smartphone right, then what right do you have of giving us, of promoting, of driving all this R&D and like showing to us as a, you know, actual advantages, actual differentiators? I, I agree with Peter, and I will go even beyond what he said. I think that we are right now in a stage where, in the industry, regardless if you're talking Samsung, Huawei, Sony, HTC, you name the manufacturer, and even beyond that, Apple, we've reached a point where, where smartphones are more or less equally fast. Processors are fast enough. Even even last year's 835 or 840 is fast enough. Last year's Exynos is fast enough. We have four, six, or even eight gigs of RAM. And thanks to Android and its implementation, battery life is good. Now, of course, it's not multiple day battery life, but, but most of the phones will probably give you a full day battery life. Having an extra camera will impact little on battery life because let's be honest, the camera application, you're spending the least amount of time in it. You're probably spending time in your chat application, on your web browser, WhatsApp, instant messaging, email, and so on. You only use the camera when, the camera only uses battery when you're inside a camera application. Having said that, the, if the third camera with its AI, AR, IoT implementation is something which is always on, which could be something interesting if it brings value to your life again. It's also something which they need to solve on the battery uh, draining side of things. So, uh, Peter, agree with you, yes. So, good value for the user, hopefully. Uh, what has proven to be a, va a very bad value for uh, some users of their MacBooks and MacBook Pros is uh, the butterfly keyboard. Don't mention it. Oh boy! <laughs> so uh, we've talked about uh, a little bit about this uh, before, but it's just uh, now this week it's come to a culmination. So Apple's finally—they're not admitting anything; they're just offering up a uh, out of warranty free repair program for every MacBook and MacBook Pro model that uh, has uh, this keyboard uh, with the butterfly switches, which are very thin scissor switches. That are that use very it's like like insect legs um, of uh, plastic basically I guess you know the, that and, mechanism which goes like this yeah well yeah great for the great for the listeners to do but it's kind of you know scissors imagine scissors yeah. but very very you know thinned out and like we've seen a lot of reporting I mean Casey Johnston of the outline uh, has been a great sounding board on this in terms of 
her editorial and her uh, kind of uh, just, you know, keeping the story, the spotlight on Apple on this, just going through, uh, even as a little speck of dust. And it's, you know, you would think that it's hard to get dust or crumbs or anything into very tightly compacted spaces. But unfortunately, uh, this has disabled many keyboards and uh, people have been complaining and it looks like Apple is listening, but not really apologizing for it. So, oh, I want, um, I know that you're actually looking for uh, a MacBook or at least a Mac computer right now, Tony, and you actually um, have experience with uh, one of these. Tell me about that. Let me try to play at least for, for a couple of seconds the devil's advocate because, again, as a hardware manufacturer, just like with any other manufacturer, Apple is facing a real dilemma, which is to thin down, to improve, to to make something better, thinner, faster, and so on, everything comes at a cost. Slimming down laptops means not only slimming down key components, but slimming down input devices as well. That being said, let me ask you something. Back in the day when we had those those <laughs> keyboards, which had a key travel of at least half an inch, you could ruin even those if you say you spill some coffee on it or, or stuff gets behind the keys. So I think there's a valid question here, which goes, it could go both ways, both in Apple's favor and in, in against Apple. What's, what's the line between a manufacturing slash design fault and where is the user at fault for something going wrong or for something breaking? Because if, if you look at things in a bubble, that keyboard will probably last you for 10 years if you don't spill something on it, if you don't drop stuff in it. But on the other hand, Apple, for at least the price tag, the premium price tag that they are putting on these products, they should ensure, I'm not saying idiot-proof because that's that, that, will be, that will be too much. They should ensure that at least on a day-to-day -day usage, on a regular scenario, their hardware stands the test of time because things happen you and i are basically media tech bloggers i've seen most of tech bloggers working from trains from from parties from phone booths from parks from restaurants from coffee shops accidents happen and to ruin something which costs two thousand dollars just because a breadcrumb ended up in the wrong place is i think a deal breaker for most and i think that this is something which apple is really trying to address right now they're trying to save the not necessarily the product line, but the perception about this product line. Because if if things are indeed as as the report claims, and we've seen reports usually exaggerate, I'm I'm not saying it's exaggerated. I'm see, I'm saying that there might be an upper, a possibility for it to be so. But if it's true, I'm saying that word of mouth is is marketing, and bad marketing hurts products. So. Yeah, there there has to be a minimum acceptable life cycle for yes. these kinds of products, and it just I don't see under that normal usage scenarios. Uh, yeah, yeah, and you know, being fair to the consumer also is that dust kind of you know is naturally occurring. It's one of those things that you know just happens to you know float on by sometimes. If you're of course, uh, what kind of dust are we talking about? Because if you're going to use your laptop in a coal mine, it'll probably render it oh, useless. Yeah. But the regular I mean, totally house dust or the regular city dust, I don't think that that should be ever a problem. And I don't think it is a problem. We are probably talking about those foreign parts, which are rather sizable, which, which you can actually see, which end up being there as you said breadcrumbs or or anything I, else I, 
I mean, I don't have any experience with uh, butterfly keyboards. I'm wondering how, you know, that gap is. But, you know, it's it, it has it has had enough compu- uh, consumer sentiment against it to have triggered some sort of reaction from Apple. So, I'm not sure whether this I mean, one I'm holding here is a butterfly keyboard, but this is the latest uh, uh, Apple keyboard. Uh, I don't see any way. And I uh, now also I don't have the latest generation MacBook. So if somebody has it and has this problem, please drop us a comment and let us know. But I don't see yeah, any please. way bigger parts ending anywhere in there because there's no space. You can't get anything under the keys. Yeah. And, uh, so this goes from the early uh, the 2015 MacBook 12 inch models all the way through. Uh, they put it on everything at this point. Uh, in terms of MacBooks and Mac Pros. So uh, definitely write us in if uh, you got any comments on this, and uh, we'll move on to uh, one of our kind of nightcaps for now. <laughs> the, on, the recurring uh, topics these past 10 the, years. The past 10 years, it feels like, the past forever in mobile technology. Apple versus Samsung is settled. Um, okay, so <laughs> last <now>. week... Well... <laughs> Yeah, but I feel. I mean, this. I think this. It. This is it. They've settled it. In term, it, it's not another verdict that can be appealed. It's not something that has to go under a jury again. Like freaking Samsung made an appeal on its five hundred thirty nine dollar uh, million dollar damages verdict um, just last week, and this all stems from phones. You know, Apple says that. Samsung violated, uh, infringed upon design patents that related all the way back to what the iPhone, the first order, yeah, yeah, and then Galaxy S two. Uh, like it's kind of uh, amazing that uh, that we're still looking at this. So um, I want uh, any quick eulogy on this because we don't know the terms of the settlement, uh, but we know that it's over. Back when I when I uh, was a news editor, I wrote at least one story a week about this Samsung versus Apple, Apple versus Samsung. And with the risk of repeating myself, even though I will try not to do so, I would ask you just one question. How many ways are there to design a phone nowadays? And a follow-up question or even a, a question which is going to try to help you in answering that no, you know what? Actually, I'm not going to help you. I'm really curious about your, your your response. How many ways can you design a smartphone? Say you're Samsung. Is there any way you can design a phone which Apple at one point can say you're copied it from me? I mean, we're going back to 2011, 2010. It doesn't matter. The old phones had buttons back then on the front, and they had a screen. They had an earpiece. They had a LED. Like you could enrage it in a staircase. You could have a like a circle screen. Like I mean, you know, there's a whole whole bunch of ways. I'm not sure. Like they they had an explicit freaking design pattern that covered. It was just art. Like every descriptive piece of it in text, it just referred to the art. It was self-evident that you know this is what an iphone looks like this is what a colorful grid of icons looks like this is what freaking you know slide to unlock looks like which uh, got thrown out and maybe <laughs> invalidated and you know there's a whole that we we found out a whole bunch of uh, stuff along the way here over the past seven years but like it's i don't think 
I, I don't think it was an argument worth having. I think in the end, what we got down to was, you know, the Supreme Court, it got all the way up to the Supreme Court, and then uh, the Supreme Court tossed it back and said, okay, so what is the article of manufacturer that this patent applies to? The parts of the product or the whole of the product? And, you know, that should determine damages. Now you go and figure that out, uh, you guys. So, I, I mean, I think that was the biggest question that we were left with. I am an Apple fan, but I'm not a fanatic Apple fan. I use an Apple computer. Uh, I used an iPhone. Now I'm using Android. So I'm trying to say this as gently as I can. I think that this is a non-issue. I think that Apple exaggerated with this lawsuit. And they dragged it along just enough for it to make enough buzz. They didn't do it for the money. They didn't do it for, for anything which is measurable in money. I think that this was a branding slash marketing campaign which was dragged out for years and years and years trying to generate, trying to create a certain mindset whether this was addressing current apple users that hey we are so much better than samsung slash android because they're copying us or they were trying to address future apple owners that hey regardless of your beloved samsung they copied from us it doesn't really matter and the fact that samsung retaliated is just is just normal it's it's common sense when you're being dragged, I'm not, I'm not siding with Samsung here, nor am I siding with Apple. I'm trying to explain that this was maybe, in my opinion, a move from which both companies benefited because of the entire media talked about this and nothing else for the past five or six years. And beyond the fact that they spent millions and millions of dollars in, in taxes, uh, in, in legal fees and, and attorney fees, those are, those those are just pocket change. When you come to look at the grand scheme of things, it was a huge and long marketing campaign on both sides, and I'm just glad to say it's it's over at least for now and on this particular lawsuit because there there's plenty of other lawsuits and there can always be another one. A cynical but fair take on this. I mean, you're talking about Samsung world number one in smartphones and Apple world number two. So, I mean. They, uh, I'm not sure if they wanted that when they went into this lawsuit, but they got it. So oh, they played along to them. <laughs> All right, we'll take a quick break and uh, we'll come right back with more news of the week. Stay tuned. Introducing Huawei MateBook X Pro, winner of 27 awards at Mobile World Congress, including Best of Show Laptop, Best Innovation, Best Design, Editor's Choice, and Reader's Choice. With Windows Hello, you can unlock your Huawei MateBook X Pro with a touch of your fingerprint. Secure, fast, and no password to remember. Huawei MateBook X Pro, now available at Microsoft Stores, Amazon, and Newegg.com. For a limited time, get a free $300 gift card with purchase. Visit a Microsoft Store near you today. And we are back with uh, some more news of the week uh just wanted to cover a couple of comments regarding the uh the keyboard issue the butterfly keyboard on the macbooks sure. uh from peter hayton uh that keyboard is indeed a butterfly switching keyboard uh the one that you held up tony mm-hmm. um and does it have a a, a lightning port uh, from what yeah I for seen? charging yes it does it's uh the macbook has even less key travel than that keyboard though there so i mean 
it does use the so let me just uh, uh hold it back up because i didn't get to i was holding the phone hold on uh, hold on the twitter it's so thin that you have to just juggle with it That's yeah cool. because from what he says from what peter says is that there's even less travel on the macbook so i mean there's more room for air uh, more room for error more room for a disaster and it's just yeah i mean it's not good yeah, so uh, we have that, and also kind of another uh, take on this from Renato Laporte. Consumer electronics giving up usability, durability, and repairability for the sake of design. True. I, nobody has ever, ever said a bigger truth than this. Who, who was this commenter? Renato Laporte, which uh, he's from the Netherlands. Mr. Laporte, you are spot on. There's a saying, if it never breaks, you're never going to get a new one. I mean, no company has, whether they're making smartphones, computers, even car manufacturers, if, if it never breaks, if something never goes wrong, you will never get a new one. Their intention is not to build a product which lasts your entire lifetime. Their intention is to build a product which fits the usual usage cycle, which could be one year, two year, four years, five years. But then again, something will eventually break. And the... Uh, Murphy said it. If something can break, it will eventually break. So they're just giving it the nudge. That, that law is pretty peculiar, Murphy's Law. Yeah. Uh, we shall move on, though. And we're going to talk about to. Googly Google and uh, <laughs> the choices that you may have to make uh, come this fall when uh, we expect the Pixel 3 and Pixel 3 XL to arrive. And uh, I want you to... Uh, Take a look at the rundown link for this story. Take a look at the video, or the not the video. Well, you can if you want, but the, more importantly, the pictures the picture. that you have to see. Because these are uh, renders from uh, OnLeaks, uh, uh, Steve Hemmerstoffer, uh, from uh, about the Pixel 3 and Pixel 3 XL. And they show both 2 by one displays, or extra tall displays, but the XL is the one that has the notch, while uh, the pixel 3 standard one just uh, sacrifices a little bit of bezel room for just a plain old display clean cut nothing really happening over there both of them have dual cameras and the single camera at back which we have uh the single camera at back we know google has its magic in terms of computational photography for them going but um that dual camera system at front we're still kind of uh deciding what that is so in all of that what do you think this choice offers if uh, if it's true before we go into that conversation i'm looking at the renders and on leaks is usually spot on uh, of course uh, evan bless is is more spot on but on leaks is, is spot on as well if uh, <laughs> these two don't mention them both in the same sentence because you don't want the beef to be coming over here <laughs> okay <laughs> they're, they're, if you don't know they're, they're they beef on twitter quite a lot so. okay i should i should be on twitter more so i apologize if i offended anybody what i'm saying is if the phones which google is going to put out on the market will be anything like these two i'm looking at right now they're both really really ugly and this is this is just my personal assessment let me tell you why i'm a huge fan of minimizing bezels not going ridiculous about the lack of bezels, but minimizing them to a point where it it not it does not impede normal usage. I'm not okay. I'm probably not going to be okay with a full screen phone. Given that 
the entire reason behind the notch, and this is one of the things I criticized Huawei for the P20 Pro 4, the reason behind the notch is to minimize or kill the top bezel or to give you the most amount of screen real estate possible. Now, if you look at the pictures that I'm looking at right now, you have a minimal bezel at the top and you have a huge bezel on the bottom. I'm trying to zoom into the picture and I can see a, a line yeah, there. Both of them have the chins. Facing speaker, it might be something else. I'm not saying it's it's not okay to have a button or it's not okay to have a front-facing speaker. I'm saying it kills symmetry. Now, in the case of the smaller Pixel, which doesn't have the notch, it, it has huge bezels top bottom, but at least it's symmetrical. But in the case of the Pixel 3 XL, it's asymmetrical, and hopefully they will come with an option to just conceal the notch somehow. And now, after this long intro, which for which I apologize for, back to your question, I think that the uh, the entire topic, the entire debate behind the notch is a non-topic. It's a non-issue. The notch is a non-issue. You'll get used to it eventually, and it, it, won't, it won't even take you that long to get used to it. Aside from Apple, most manufacturers are giving you options to conceal the notch. If you don't like to have those devil's horns on the right and left side of your display, you can just conceal them with a black band, which comes optional within your settings, and you only have floating text on a black bar on top, which is perfectly fine. Again, the reason behind the notch is to give you the most amount of screen real estate. And even if it's 40 or 50 or whatever pixels wide, it's still, gives you more real estate for the applications to stretch the canvas as much as possible. So in my personal opinion, the notch is a non-topic. It's a non-issue. And the conversation about the notch has to go away because the notch is here to stay. Yeah. And uh, I'll, I'll, I guess I'll play the devil's advocate uh, this time because, you know, if you're watching movies and you're kind of, uh, you're given the option to either crop or zoom in, or maybe just, you know, view it as it is. Like, I don't want to be seeing all those black space. I'm, I already have to deal with the the freaking uh, Leto boxing just from the two by one content uh, that has been uh, well not two by one content but the sixteen by nine in a two by one screen or whatever the aspect ratio. The problem is is that there's more black space and it's growing and it you know if I really want to you know have an unobstructed view of whatever I'm viewing, regardless of you know it being an app for pictures or just reading space, like there's just a whole bunch of odd you know like odd crevices that i feel like don't offer me anything in terms of the experience so let me counter that, was... that let me counter that and i'm glad to say that finally android is is one step ahead of apple when it comes to this it's only on the iphone 10 where a full screen youtube video has the cutout if you look at it landscape because of the notch because in the case of the p20 pro or in the case of the g7 thank you when you do conceal the notch and the software applies a black or transparent png on the top of the screen that is basically your canvas and if you flip it landscape it won't have the cutout for the notch the content will stop where the notch stops. So that will give you a rather symmetrical full screen landscape view with the bottom notch on the bottom on the right side and with the cutout being completely ignored on the left side. I mean, you tell that to our super enthusiasts that are in our audience here and it's kind of it's kind of a 
yeah, a new I, point, I, right? It's I, like, I, it's, I, it's, it's tough. Yeah, I it's tough. I, I totally understand it. It's like, it, like <laughs> I'm the same. Like, I don't really, you know, as long as I'm able to see it and with a very decent amount of, you know, resolution and size, like, I'm perfectly fine for it. But it's just, you know, sometimes you want to be able to, they, they want to push the, the whole, um, you know, illusion of like, oh, this is a a window on the world to something that you can't reach, but it's like, it's, I don't know. Uh, well, I mean, it's, a, it's your choice, your opinions, um, sound in hashtag P and weekly on Twitter. And, uh, we'll try and see, um, if we can, uh, stomach to answer it because it's kind can of, can we, can we just make a short, like five minute or two minute brain exercise? Like if you were to design or any of our uh, listeners were to design a smartphone, which would eliminate the notch, but still maximize the entire display. And I'm specifically referring to the top. How would it be? Because there are physical constraints. Yeah, there, there's the display connector at the bottom that caught, that is the necessity for the chin. It has to connect back to the motherboard, so it has to fold. Uh, you know, I'm not even going to go that far. I'm going to just stop at the top where you have an earpiece, which you have to have. You have a webcam, which you have to have. And you will probably have a light sensor, proximity sensor. And in some models, you will also have an LED flash. Now, where do you put these five pieces of hardware in order to eliminate the notch and still maximize the real estate? Putting them on the bottom, people tried it, it didn't work. So is there any other option? Or at least I don't see any other option until technology gets that far or that good where you can just simply put a webcam or an earpiece behind your screen and then there's no problem they put fingerprint scanners behind the screen why couldn't they just put the webcam or the earpiece even the earpiece was completely eliminated by show production yeah and exactly uh, you know i mean they're they're getting their way there but it's like they're imperfect some some of them are imperfect solutions because uh you know i've experienced a bone condition where it's like Oh, some people can actually hear my call from my vibrating cheek or something. But it's like, yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's yeah, I, totally. It's weird. I know, but um, I want to move on because otherwise we'd be again we'd be sucked into talking about this all day. Um, if you're commenting, please print out a certificate and take a picture of it of your hardware engineering degree. Let's move on uh, with the Sony <laughs> Xperia XZ2 Premium uh, going up for pre-orders July 9th. I'm talking to Tony here. Uh, Fallen away Sony fan who uh, I get you know loves Apple now and or I guess has always loved Apple but you know has always had a soft spot for I it. love I love all phones what are you saying I <laughs> I, I I'm using a Huawei P20 Pro as my daily driver all right fair but you know we always cast you as that Sony kind of you know back yeah, in the old days when it was very underappreciated and you know then I still think it's pretty underappreciated we saw we heard the news uh, this week of. Uh, uh, Sony Mobile pulling out of maybe uh, Turkey, Africa, and Middle East uh, markets. Kind of sad. Cutting losses. Mm, do you think they'll be generating more losses uh, this time around? Because this is the first, I hate like to think about it like this, but this is the first price increase for its characteristic 4K phone. And like the, the premium line, has always been, you know, there's been two previous ones, the Z5 and then the XZ Premium. Uh, and But, you know, we got 4K HDR on the XZ Premium. Now it's basically remained the same. 
And then the rest of the phone is kind of like, well, we're going to upgrade that with this, um, you know, camera, slow motion, or whatever the heck. And it's going to be $1,000. That's a 25% increase from previous models. What's up? What's going on? So there's two ways we can tackle this. The difference between the Z5 Premium and the XZ2 is $200. The question is, is a faster processor, is a secondary camera and a back-mounted fingerprint scanner worth $200? I don't think so. But at the same time, we've been knowing Sony, and I've been, as you said, a Sony fan, and I've been following Sony since the early days. Uh, you'll have to take over just for a oh, couple yeah, of seconds. Oh, yeah, sure, definitely. So uh, in terms of uh, talking about a whole bunch of uh, improvements that uh, we saw from uh, the Xperia XZ2, uh, we're talking about 960 uh, full HD slow motion, uh, ISO 51,200 for uh, photo taking, which, you know, is pretty amazing. Um, of course, you know, there's always that Snapdragon uh, upgrade that you have to consider because that's one of the bigger uh, cost uh, run-ups in terms of uh, that. But I, I think mm, perhaps this may uh, prove out uh, true, but the display, because we've seen kind of this uh, uh, pricing war, this cold war of displays of uh, OLED and LCD and, you know, just being able to get up to quad HD levels without having it break the bank and there is some competition in the OLED uh, market right now, but in terms of that 4k, that very, very niche area for Sony, like there hasn't been much uh, to uh, many waves to talk about there. So they're kind of left alone and having to uh, support that. But for that to justify a $200 price increase, I, I don't know if it's fair to compare that to the iPhone 10. We're dealing with a, a lot of the same uh, prestige modeling going on here, but you're getting Face ID, uh, you're getting a much more robust system of apps, uh, and or a much more robust system of features that go along with uh, the hardware it provided. And it's just, well, I don't know, Sony's kind of, um, you know, getting their stuff together, they're kind of mounting their sand, but they don't have a I feel like they don't have a castle yet for that sand. You're a hero, Jules. I'm, I, I apologize. This is what happens when you podcast at 8 p.m. from your home office and there's pizza delivery at your door. So I apologize. Uh, <laughs> coming back to, to what what I was saying, I've been following Sony since since the really early days. And Sony has always been a company, just like Apple, which was not afraid to charge a premium just because of its brand, just because it has Sony on it. The same way Apple charges for the Apple logo, Sony is charging for the Sony logo. And um, it, it would be an understatement to say that the two companies are not doing the same thing because we know that Apple and Sony were, I'm not saying really close, but Steve Jobs was always finding inspiration from Sony products. So there's that. Sony can charge whatever they want for a premium smartphone, does that smartphone deliver? Does the smartphone differentiate itself enough to justify that $1,000 price point? To some, it might. To some, I mean, the, there's the iPhone 10. Let's be honest. The iPhone 10 is not worth its price tag. So we are in an era where smartphone manufacturers create niche products, which become status quos, which become status symbols, 
if you don't want to have a $1,000 phone to show off, we have cheaper phones as well. But if you afford it, or if you want to be able to show off that you are rocking a $1,000 plus phone, we have that option as well. It's an aspirational so, product. Exactly. It's something which you you are not afraid to pull out in public or place on your table, and people will immediately know that you're a huge snob. <laughs> and if you're all right with that, then uh, you can go ahead and uh, continue eating that caviar right there. Um, Absolutely, but nonetheless, Sony Sony flagships were always were always great, exceptional phones. I always held Sony close to my heart, despite of all all their efforts in in trying to shoot themselves in the foot, starting from the lack of U.S. availability to U.S. availability without the fingerprint scanner and all the other problems which they faced during the years, especially the headphone volume and and other multimedia stuff, Sony phones are solid phones. So if if I win the lottery and Sony doesn't send me an XZ2 for review, I will probably buy that phone because, because one, I'm a Sony fan, two, it looks good, and three, it's a Sony product. So Sony product, I'm not saying Samsung or Huawei are less premium products when it comes to build, when it comes to quality, when it comes to performance. I'm saying that having a Sony phone, a Sony flagship, in my book, at least for me personally, means something to me. Totally fair. Uh, I, I agree in terms of the whole... Uh, uh, evaluation of how Sony has uh, tripped over itself over time. But, you know, recently they've rebuilt themselves. They've gotten focused with that X or XZ, uh, whatever they want to do with that branding. Yeah. And, you know, kind of built it up and involved their design. It's something that needed to be done. Uh, I feel like they're following a trend, whether it's ill-advised or not, of, uh, you know, prestige pricing. But I feel like, you know, if they don't follow, then it's kind of uh, what's the I point. mean, just... I'm looking at the render from the article you linked. It's beautiful. I, I was there in Barcelona this year. I saw the presentation. I, I saw the phone, but just looking at it, it is beautiful. Now, you can, of course, argue about the huge bezels, which is a signature of Sony, and they should ditch it. That You can argue that the Samsung, the Huawei, the HTC, the you name it, looks better, but, but it is a really nice-looking phone, at least to me couple more uh, stories here as we wrap up the show. Talking about OnePlus, uh, perhaps coming to the U.S. Uh, with carriers. We already know that they sell unlocked uh, to, what, 33-ish markets around the world. And uh, they've recently started moving into Europe. Uh, O2 in, in the U.K. has been a partner for a couple of years, but... Uh, more of that seems to be happening. There's some momentum going on. And Pete Lau, in a recent interview, says that he might be able to bring uh, something to U.S. carriers by next year when 5G rolls around. And, of course, they're on the Qualcomm train, so you got to say they obviously have the inside track on this. But whether or not um, they're able to pull off all they want, all what Pete Lau wants, uh, is a question here because he says that they're going to be uh, there's going to be no bloatware, and if there's anything that a small brand would like to push, and um, if there's anything that a carrier can hold over that brand's head, it's going to be preloaded software, whatever vouching whatever services they have, be it AT and T, Directv Now, or whatever the heck their plan is these days, because they they keep updating it like five times a week, or Verizon. Which has its, uh, you know, which recently actually 
announced it's shutting down Go90, uh, its own streaming services. But they still have a whole bunch of these stupid like uh, GPS navigation services, which they still do. It's kind of weird. But um, I'm wondering how realistic you think um, Lau's goals are here. Being in this business for more than 10 years in, in the tech journalism sphere gives also gives me also the opportunity to be some sort of analyst even though i hate that word but i have an analytical view of 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 what what is happening in the industry and i've learned to see beyond what companies are trying to say behind the words to be honest i don't think that oneplus really stands a chance unless they manage to get some carrier backup bear with me Correct me if I'm wrong, but as of the OnePlus 5, so three generations ago, we are at 6 now, it was the 5T, and then back starting from the 5, it was no longer about giving you a flagship killer at an affordable price. The prices of these phones went higher and higher with every iteration, up to a point where, yes, you do get more bang for your buck, but that buck is still going to burn a hole in your pocket. Now, I'm not saying that OnePlus is suffering in terms of uh, revenue, income, turnover, or, or units sold. They are steadily growing. But name one company which doesn't want to grow even more. And with the prices of their phones going higher and higher, which is both a trend in the market and also because of the prices of the components, it doesn't really matter why, a more expensive phone will probably sell less units. But even if it sells the same amount of units or somewhat more units, your revenues will be higher. But why not sell twice or three times as much by having a carrier subsidize your phone? And we know very well that in the United States, if you are not a carrier, if you are not a manufacturer which has a deal with a carrier, you basically are going to fail to succeed. Apple is always releasing its phones on carriers and only then two or three or four months down the road offering you an, uh, an, an unlocked option. So Huawei had real huge problems even before the ban because no carriers were there to support it. Now, OnePlus might sell millions of smartphones in the US for those who are willing to pay outright five, six, seven hundred dollars But what if you could pay those six, seven hundred dollars in 12 or 24 month installments? Or why wouldn't your carrier subsidize half of it? Which automatically makes your phone more accessible to the masses. And I think that this is going to be the name of the game for OnePlus moving forward. They prove themselves. They We know they can make exceptional smartphones. Sadly, it comes with a cost. Like I said, every smartphone in the past three years or two years from OnePlus is getting more and more expensive. They're trying to counter this by concealing some of the costs, which you will be paying for, of course, but you will be paying for it in installments to your carrier. It'll be cheaper on a pay-per-month basis, so it means it will be more accessible to people. Th- that's what I think. That's what I'm taking out of all this. Totally. And he also mentions that, uh, you know, hopefully that he is able to get more hands-on experiences at the carrier stores, which absolutely a lot of people, a lot of families go over, still go over to the carrier store to feel out uh, what they want for their next upgrade. So having a carrier store or a pop-up store uh, and even within, within a carrier store, the placement of your products and the dedication of the sales crew of the sales team. Every little detail matters. You know, can make or break a phone. Yeah. 
uh, and I just, you know, I mean, OnePlus, the latest uh, carrier to, uh, not carrier, uh, OEM, to, it's like the Chinese OEMs are feeling like they, they, there's an added sense of urgency to move to the U.S. to grow and, uh, you know, hit the one of the most valuable markets in smartphones because Xiaomi is talking about it. Uh, they, they're saying that, again, 2019-ish is what they're saying. Um, Huawei and uh, uh, tried, uh, and it couldn't because uh, apparently... ZTE as well? ZTE as well. The government, uh, Donald Trump, doesn't really like them. They sort of like them. They don't like them. I don't know what's going on. You know, without going into politics, because because I hate politics, and you don't have to be from Romania, Hungary, Europe, the US, to hate politics. We all hate politics. But here's here's a question. How will this new administration's policy affect other Chinese manufacturers? I mean, you cannot, or at least in my book of common sense, you cannot discriminate between one Chinese manufacturer or two, Huawei and ZTE, and another Chinese manufacturer, uh, OnePlus or, or Xiaomi. Of course you can because you're a politician, but, but judging by common sense, either you are going to say the same speech and you're going to apply the same measure to all players in the market or you, you're you going to differentiate and you're going to introduce some sort of uh, arbitrary decisions. I, this is just a rhetorical question. I, I, I'm saying that they, OnePlus might or might not have the same problems Huawei and ZTE have been facing in the past 12 months. I mean, it's all been tactical in the trade. You know, I guess we could call it a trade war in terms of China and the United States. Yeah, steel, just a little taxes. Was, yeah, exactly. Steel agriculture, smartphones, and, you know, they're actually talking... Uh, the recent tariff uh, application from the uh, U.S. Um, well, the U.S. side talks about PCBs and whatnot. So, and that's in pretty much every single electronics. So, including all, apples. Uh, we're, we're, we're paying for it. That's... Yeah, that's uh, yeah. politics. Okay. Um, that Way to take the wind out of that one. But anyways, let's bring ourselves back up and uh, we, find something that we can laugh and point at. Uh, for I don't want to laugh. I want to spend, spend $2,000 on this phone. I really want to spend more than I would spend on a niche Porsche-designed smartphone. <laughs> $2,000 for a Snapdragon 845 phone. And it's not even that special. It's the Asus Zenfone 5Z. It was kind of like the, one of the first um, like big announcements that Qualcomm wanted to make, saying that, it, oh, it's the first one. Um, and uh, yeah, $1,999, this uh, starting price says, and uh, that you should subscribe now in order to uh, get notified of when it's uh, uh, going to launch. Um, the problem is uh, you scroll down the site <laughs> just a little bit, and then you find um, stuff here. Uh, I think Asus's Zenfone 3 looks and feels twice its price. Asus Zenfone 3 crams plenty of great features into a new glass-clad chassis. These are all reviews. They're, they're videos, links to videos. And the, the, like the thumbnails of those videos are showing off Zenfone 3 material, which launched back in 2016. So... Man, I mean, if this isn't a mistake, if this isn't, like, someone that was, like, too lazy to, like, cut from their copy-paste file. Like, come on, man. <laughs> I'm looking I'm looking at the official Asus page, which is sourced in, in our article. They've updated seems, it. 
yeah, it seems nice and it seems finally finished. Uh, I'm okay with companies doing minor mistakes if, if they're innocent mistakes. Somebody somewhere didn't do their job. They probably, I don't know, got fired or not. I don't think uh, this is such a huge issue. The, Zen, the Asus in general and the Zenfone 5 is, is an awesome phone. Is it a $2,000 phone? Of course not. Did somebody make a mistake? Was somebody lazy? Did somebody not push the update or publish button? Absolutely. But I think that the entire media, us included, up to this point, we're making too, uh, too big of a deal out of this. Uh, yeah, totally. And, you know, maybe it's going to be like, between six hundred fifty and eight hundred dollars, or something like that. But it's like that's beyond the point. I want, you know, you and I, you and I were in Barcelona when when they launched this phone. Yep, yep. And uh, it was. Uh, I don't know if they gave a euro value for this phone. Because I don't think so. I don't remember. Yeah, but, but it's, it's uh, a good phone. I'm I'm talking to the fact that it's a great phone. It's not a two thousand dollar phone, but it's right there in the six to seven hundred dollar uh, price tag. I guess you know if you're gonna go, if you're gonna you know support your device, you gotta support it in marketing. You don't promote the Zenfone 3 when you're trying to promote the Zenfone 5Z. And you, you got to make sure that this kind of stuff, because if anything, if you're a smartphone, if you're a tech company, you have a web presence. And that's the most important to maintain. So come on, do better, Asus, next time, please. Jules, in, in the past, let's say, only three years, how many press releases slash launches slash official wordings with mistakes Honest or not, planned or not, have you seen? On average. <sighs> I don't know, man. It, it, too, too many to count on my hands. So I'll say so that. I'm, I say it's, it's an honest mistake and we should move on. Without trying to cut this hangout short. <laughs> well, totally. Uh, just a couple more PN Weekly uh, talkers here from Mike. I, I love those. Yeah, totally. Do we even really care about having absolutely no bezel? The S9 looked perfectly fine to me just move the fingerprint center to the middle of the back and we're good uh we tony and i i would say are in agreement with you mike and uh i guess there's there are definitely some complications as to where that fingerprint sensor could be uh placed uh there's a, been a whole bunch of talk uh, about let, jigsaw puzzling the components yeah go ahead behind behind the screen <laughs> yes um, Andrew Wallace, Sony should honestly bring on-the-go streaming of PlayStation content to their devices. Word. They, yes. Yes. Steam, Steam Link is not enough. Uh, I love you, Valve, but uh, more, please. And also, yes. fix your freaking cross-play issues, man. <laughs> Fortnite. Well, by the way, did, didn't Microsoft have the same problem with the Xbox and Windows Phone? Uh, yeah, and to, uh, but like I get like Fortnite. I, I don't know if you've heard about this uh, this um, online game called Fortnite, but yeah. no, I've been yeah. living in a bubble. Well, oh, okay. Well, I mean, <laughs> it's the biggest thing to blow up since uh, I don't know PUBG or whatever. Like it's it, there's been one thing after since, another since po- Pokemon. <laughs> Pokemon, yes, yes, <laughs> indeed. And, uh, like, uh, they, like, the Microsoft Xbox account was, like, tweeting at the uh, Nintendo Switch account because Nintendo Switch recently announced that uh, that uh, freaking Fortnite was available to play for free online right now. And they were like, oh, the wonderful things we can build together because they're able to cross-play with each other, but not Sony. I don't know what's up with that. Um, So, damn it, do better. Uh, And uh, a couple more, two more. The problem with OnePlus, Ronaldo Laporte says, is that every phone, with the exception of the Pixel and iPhone, will drop prices like crazy. 
after a few months of release here in the Netherlands, you can buy already a OnePlus with three of the four major carriers, but still a niche device, which, again, goes to how much progress they've made, but still kind of the the your point about emphasis, about, you know, staffers and, and placement and whatnot, just a getting into how much uh encouragement they can build you know there's guys. there's a love and a hate there's uh i'm not sure let me let me check who who was this person who commented this it was uh it was renato yeah so uh, there's a love and hate relationship with 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 commenters which which are smart and i love them because they not only uh, think the same way we do they they are unbiased and and well-rounded enough to draw the same conclusions. But when a commenter states an absolute truth, you, as a podcast host or guest or co-host... You bow down. You, you yes, just... it's, and it's checkmate. You, you have nothing to say. Like, you're right. That's it. Done. Uh, and one more from uh, Peter Hayton. Do you think that there could be more benefit from the growth of OnePlus pop-up stores rather than expanding in a carrier store because if people see something different in their city... Might they not be better reminded of this new brand than uh, what, what they saw in carriers? Pop-up stores cost a lot. They, they cost, cost a, lot. a lot. You know, Xiaomi has been very crazy in terms of... They, they opened a 24-hour uh, store in Moscow. So, and that is not, a, you know, no small change in, involving that. So, to Unless you're to... Samsung and you can buy, rent, or lease real estate right across the street from every or most major Apple store for your own pop-up store, unless you have billions of dollars or you I'm sorry, go ahead. And well, I was just about to say, they only have like the two, like two or three stores that are like major experiences uh, around the U S and again, they are, you know, the number two or number one name, depending on who you ask in terms of smartphones. So it's like, your it's, it's dissonance. Your best bet is to strike a deal with a carrier and that carrier already has brick and mortar stores. That carrier always has phones on display because it's a carrier. They want to sell you the phone so that you can use their services. So if you strike a deal, your best bet is to strike a deal with a carrier and have a small corner or a big corner, depending on how, how much you're willing to cut their check just for, for them to display and promote your product. But that is the cheapest and most effective option, whether it's in the States, in the EU, Asia, or anywhere else. And if you're an informed tech reader like you are, thank you for listening and viewing the Pocket Now Weekly. Uh, you could always just go unlocked and have the freedom and the edge and the power to yes. do whatever you want. And um, if there's anything that we'd like to do here, it's empowering you to make your own decisions. More financial power to you guys. Indeed. And uh, that is it for this week. Uh, Tony, again, thank you for joining me and uh, in discussing. Uh, this week's uh, news and uh, what as always a real pleasure and i'm always saying that i don't have time i always make time so jules please bring me along more often this was fun well, definitely definitely and thank you again for listening and uh, watching us here on uh, youtube or wherever else that you're listening to us be sure to keep the conversation going by emailing us podcast at pocketnow.com we really want to hear the thoughts you want to get out and the questions that you want answered also we're all on twitter hashtag pn weekly for one uh anton dinaj is at a-n-t-o-n-d-n-a-g-y and i am at point jewels pocket now is at pocket now on twitter facebook 
Google Plus, and YouTube, where you can find the Pocket Nail daily every weekday with Jaime Rivera. We also have a lovely site, pocketnow.com, for all your mobile tech news needs. We'd certainly appreciate reviews and ratings on Apple Podcasts or wherever you happen to be streaming us. For the team, I'm Jules Wong, and we'll see you next week.